Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Our reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment now for silent reflection. Let's pray. Gracious God, in this moment of silent reflection, in a season that screams at us, maybe in a home right now as we're tuning in and being a part of this service, there are still so many things taking place around us. It's hard just to still our minds and our hearts. Help us to see right now that long before we were thinking about you, you were thinking about us. However we find ourselves this morning, whether for us this Christmas season is mere sentimentality or a major season of disappointment or sorrow, a season of hope and joy, or maybe we remember a time when we used to believe these things and you seemed so close to us, but now you seem a million miles away, and we wonder if we could ever believe these things again. We pray that as you did on that first Christmas day, that you would break through with your light, you'd break through with your joy, that even now, as we contemplate these things, we would see and trust that you know us in all our questions and wandering and contradictions, and you love us. Your response is to give yourself to us in sacrificial, self-giving love in the person and work of your Son, Jesus Christ. 
And so now we ask that you would teach us by the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that our lives would be transformed and this world would be renewed. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, whenever I hear about light, a few images come to mind. I've shared one about my son Benjamin taking us on a hike in the middle of the night on one of our camping trips and using the light on the tent to find our way back when we were in the wilderness in the darkness. Another image comes to mind when Florence and I went to visit her family, Derek and Jeanette, in Africa. And we went on a safari. And safaris are amazing no matter what, but the majority of them take place at sunrise and sunset because that's when the big cats are active. And we went out at sunset. And after the sun had gone down, James, our guide, took out this million candle power spotlight. And he shined it across the African plains until he expertly pointed out reflections in the distance. Those reflections were the eyes of two lions. He could tell by the color of the reflections. Those ones are lions, those are hippopotamus, those are antelope. He knew everything that was going on, gazelles. And so we followed those lights until we got to the lions and we pursued them. It was a magical moment. And after watching these lions stalk their prey on the open plains by the darkness of night, then we had to make our way back to the camp. And as we're going back to the resort, it's dark. I had no idea where we were. I was trusting that our guide knew where we were, but I was relieved to see the lights of the resort on the horizon, to know that we weren't going to spend our night out here in the plains. In other words, the light both illuminated what was there that we couldn't already see, and it led us on a great adventure, but the light also shined the way back home. There are many reasons why Scripture uses the imagery of light to describe what it's like when Jesus comes into this world, when he comes into your life, and one of the images is light. He reveals things for what they are, but he also shows you the way home, to union with the God that created you. And so let's consider this image of light, especially in this Christmas season, as we see that this light that shines in the darkness, the darkness will never overcome it. It brings revelation. It brings new creation and it brings illumination. Now you're lucky I didn't say like Emancipation Proclamation for all the nations or anything like that. It brings revelation, it brings new creation, it brings illumination. First, real quickly, it brings revelation. Now, I've been studying up on the James Webb Space Telescope that's to be launched this week and all that it's supposed to show us and reveal as it is a time capsule, a time machine that shows us way back to the origins of the, of the universe, it goes beyond. It reminds me of 30 years ago when the Hubble Space Telescope was released. And in the mid-90s, it's sending back images from what is now called the Hubble Deep Field, which was this piece of the, of the skies that when you looked at it, it looked like there was nothing there. But when the Hubble Telescope deeply examined it over a series of days, they found thousands of galaxies and you begin to realize how small we are. You begin to look at the amazing expanse of the universe and then consider that by redshift theory, scientists tell us that it's expanding, but no one can answer, what is it expanding into? I remember the image of 
Carl Sagan's pale blue dot taken by one of the satellites looking back toward Earth, and there's this little blue speck. And you realize that all of the civilizations that have ever lived, all of the loves that have ever been pursued, all of the losses that have ever been felt in human history take place on that little speck floating in space. You take in the grandeur and the expansiveness of this universe, and you say, who could ever know if there's a God at all, let alone if there is, it's too much for us to consider. How would we ever know that God? I recently read a quote by Charles Darwin when he was reflecting on all that he had learned, all that he had seen, all that he had studied, and he came to the conclusion, I feel most deeply that the whole subject of God is too profound for the human intellect. A dog might as well speculate on the mind of Newton. Let each man hope and believe what he can. It's too much. We could never know that God. A dog might as well try to understand the most advanced physicist ever. So just believe and hope whatever you can. And Christmas comes and says, of course, we cannot know that God unless that God chooses to reveal God's self to us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. The Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. A Christian is not someone who's smarter than anybody else in the world, not someone who's figured out God because you're more advanced. A Christian is one who can say, God has found a way to break through to us in a way that we could see and hear and understand. Maybe as Darwin's quote goes, you would turn it on its head and say, unless Newton was so brilliant that he could explain science to the dog. And so we celebrate not only the love and the wonder, but the brilliance of God to break through to us in a way that we can see and hear and understand. And so whether you've been a Christian for a long time and you're seeking to develop and mature in your spirituality and connection to God, or you're investigating Christianity. You're asking yourself what all this means and if you can believe these things. You start with Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say to this world. When you look at him, you see the Father. And so Christmas is the revelation of who God is to us. But it's not just that. It's also new creation. In the beginning of John chapter 1, we heard, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you turn the Bible all the way back to those opening chapters in Genesis, how does it start? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was God. And so this is echoing these, those ancient words from Genesis of the creation, where a good God creates a good world and blesses it with creativity and glory and joy and creates humanity in God's image and likeness. And there's celebration. But then things begin to unravel as humanity goes our own way, takes matters into our own hands, and there's this radioactive decay that falls throughout the universe. As we are now alienated from God, and there's separation. We're alienated from ourselves, not even comfortable in our own skin. Alienated from one another, hiding, blame-shifting, scapegoating. Alienated from the creative world, created world. And God promises then, I myself will do something 
to make all things right. And so, when John describes Christmas, he doesn't begin as Matthew begins his gospel or Luke begins his gospel by giving the historic events of Jesus' birth. John zooms all the way out to the cosmos and says, in the beginning, that same God that created everything, that promised to make all things right, is the same God you're looking at when you see that baby in a manger. That God has become vulnerable to become part of our story so that all things might be renewed. That God would stop at nothing to pursue you and me. The God who created humanity to reflect all of God's glory then becomes intimately involved in it to put all things right. And let's just say it. That's hard to believe. That, I'm not saying that as a pastor, as a human being, as a person, that that's easy to comprehend or wrap our minds around, which is why we continually come back to the story to remind ourselves, to jump into it more deeply. It's not easy for us to believe now. It wasn't easy for them to believe back then. In fact, that proclamation, the Word became flesh and lived among us. The word for word was actually a really important idea in the Greek culture. That word was logos. It wasn't a new word for those people. Greek philosophies were all seeking for a priori truth, the actual version of the world, flourishing, renewal, the way things are supposed to be. And that word was logos. Different philosophers had different ways of pursuing it. The Stoics would say, deprive yourself of your desires, keep a stiff, stiff upper lip because life is brutish and short and nasty and then you die. But at least maybe you can apprehend the Logos. And the Epicureans would say, no, 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 life is short, so let's eat, drink, and be merry. And then we'll comprehend the Logos. But John comes and says, you don't need to be Stoic or Epicurean. You need the Logos himself, which is not a philosophy, it's a person. Christmas comes to you and me and says, it's not mere data. It's not mere more gathering of facts and information. It's actually an invitation to the creator of the world who has come into the story. New creation breaking forth in the midst of the old. And how does he come? How does he come into this reality? He comes vulnerably. God does not come down with lightning bolts and thunder. God does not come with hurricanes and earthquakes. God comes as a vulnerable baby, showing the heart of God to stop at nothing to break through to you and me. One of the ancient, or one of the older theologians, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said, describing Jesus, infinite and an infant, eternal, yet born of a woman, almighty, yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting a universe, yet needing to be carried in a woman's arms, king of angels, yet the reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. He comes humbly. He comes vulnerably. He comes to us in a way 
that reveals he knows what it's like to be you and me. With the incarnation of Jesus, you have a God before you who knows what it's like to grow up and to mature. A God who knows what it's like to experience hunger, loneliness, grief. A God who knows what it's like to be homeless and rejected and betrayed. A God who knows what it's like to experience injustice. A God who knows what it's like to throw a good party and to be an honored guest of one. A God who knows what it's like to have good friends and have your best friend betray you. A God who knows exactly what it's like to be you and to be me. Have you been betrayed? So has he. Have you been disappointed? So has he. Have you had things not work out the way you wanted them to, even though you did all the right things? So has he. Now, if someone's saying, look, I have prayed and hoped and put my faith and trust in him, and still all the things I wanted are not happening. Even that, he's experienced. As the night before he was crucified, he prayed to the Father, Father, if there is any other way to win back the world, to renew all things, any other way than the cross, can we please do it that way? And the answer was, this is the way. But God he knows what it's like to be you. Which means you can go to him in every situation. He understands, sympathizes, He's been there. New creation is breaking forth. But what does it bring? It brings illumination. First of all, what is this illumination? One of my favorite aspects of the ocean is what is known as the photic zone. The photic zone is the part of the ocean, the layer of the ocean, topmost, where the sun's light can penetrate so that phytoplankton can begin to grow. And that is the beginning of the food chain for almost the entire ocean. Where there is light, there is life. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the life of the world breaking forth. He brings life wherever he goes. So as you examine your own life, the parts that feel like dead branches or like dry ground, what would it be like to let him into those very places? Maybe to start off the new year with an honest lament. These are the places where I need you to operate the most. Christmas tells us, he says to you, behold, I'm already there. My light moves toward the brokenness of this world to bring life. But it also prevails against darkness. This light, one of my friends taught me a long time ago as he was going through some courses to be a Navy SEAL, and they had just done some training on the, the nature of light. And he said, light and fire dominate their domain. I love that. Light dominates its domain. If you have a dark room and you light a lantern, the light takes over the darkness. If you have a lantern and you put it in a dark room, the lantern doesn't get dark. The room gets light. The light moves toward the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. And this light, it's actually moving. 
It's dynamic. It's energetic. It has an agenda. And what is the agenda? This light pursues us even when we run. He came to the world that was his own, and yet his own did not recognize him. He came that they might have light in life. Where do you need to see this illumination right now? He comes to you, even when you don't receive him. What we might call persistent grace, loving you even when you don't love yourself. And right now you're thinking, Matt, if you knew the things that I've done, the things that I think, the regrets that I have, you would know that God does not love me. You need to hear him say, my light comes toward you and pursues you. Yes, you. Where do you need to see this light right now? What would it look like if it actually broke through in your life? And you know what else it does? It not only pursues you, but then it says, this is not just about your own personal best life, although it does include you. And it says, it gives you the right to become children of God. So now you have a new identity. The truest thing about you is not your wardrobe or your body image or how much money you have on your tax return. It's not your career or your spouse or your lack of spouse or your children or your lack of children or your great health or your poor health or whatever it is. The truest, deepest thing about you that holds all of those other stories. You are a beloved child of God. That's who you are. And so is everyone else who comes to him. So to be a Christian, that means that you're adopted into a new family, the family of God. But you have brothers and sisters around you that you would never choose to associate with if it was your choice. A whole new union altogether, where the central unifying principle is not that you all vote the same or agree on all the same things or like the same food or make the same amount of money or listen to the same music. The unifying principle is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the community. As he moves toward you, you begin to move toward others with love. And who's it for? We see this throughout every perspective on Jesus' birth. The light comes to you, and the light comes to everyone. I mean, you heard it right here in John chapter 1, verse 4. He is the light of all people. In verse 9, the light that enlivens everyone. He comes to Mary and Joseph. Mary, this mother, this young mother who doesn't fully understand all that's taking place in her life. He comes to the poor shepherds who are out in the field who would have been religious outsiders, considered, considered ritually unclean to be a part of the religious life of the temple. He comes to the educated magi from the east, pagan astrologers, well-educated. He comes to the poor. He comes to the wealthy. He's for the insiders and the outsiders. You know what that means? It means that Jesus is for everyone. And everyone means everyone. Inclusive of the color of your skin, your language, and your ethnicity, how much money you make, your sexual orientation, where you live, your physical differences, 
the things you've done and the things that have been done to you. Everyone means everyone. This light has come to you. Yes, you. And I know right now some of you are saying, you know, Matt, I hear these stories. I hear, we kind of pull them out once a year and kind of hold my breath and I listen to it for a while because later on we're going to have cookies and good food and eggnog and all that. But I'm a scientific, educated, thoughtful, rationalistic, empirical data kind of person. And I just find it really hard to believe in a virgin birth or a savior who has been crucified and then risen from the dead that's going to save the whole world. And I hear you. Also, I would suggest that still, deep down, you have a longing to know that you are loved and held and belong to a story much bigger than yourself. There is a spark in there that longs to know that there's actually meaning to this life. That you're not merely a collection of chemicals and molecules and atoms and one day it all just disappears and is meaningless. C.S. Lewis wrote, we experience thirst and there's such a thing as water to quench it. We experience hunger and there's such a thing as food to satisfy it. If you experience these longings for love and belonging and meaning, and nothing on earth seems to fully satisfy it. Perhaps you should allow it to point you to the light of the world that truly can. Allow this Christmas season to help you use all that empirical reasoning and scientific thinking to actually make a list of your questions and pursue Jesus with them. This church would love to be a part of that process with you. I personally would love to be a part of those conversations with you. And there are many of you right now who are having those conversations in this community. However you find yourself, he comes to you now. And how do you access this light? It's very simple and very difficult. Because we're activators. We're achievers. We believe that if you work hard enough, you're strong enough, you network enough, then you can just climb. But the light comes to you, and your hard work is to receive it. To admit that you need it. Perhaps that's the most difficult thing of all, to realize you can't manufacture it. You can only receive it and respond to it. When Mary receives the proclamation that you will be with child, and this child will be the light of the world, it says, she, her response was, let it be done to me as you say. She treasured these things and pondered what they all meant. What are you pondering right now? What are the big questions that are sitting in your heart and mind? What are you treasuring right now? Wherever your focus is, your life will follow. Way back in the day in college, I was a snowboarding instructor at the local ski hill over here in Big Bear. And I remember teaching kids, when you're on your board, wherever you look, that's where the tip of your board will follow. Life is like that as well. Wherever your treasure is in your mind, whatever you're contemplating, whatever you're pondering, that seems to be where your life gravitates. The question is, do you have a story this grand, this big to make sense? of your particular life and experience? Or is it just about your own existential moment, what you can get 
out of this life. And you've found that lacking and wanting. See, when you find yourself in this bigger story, it doesn't invalidate your particular experiences, not at all. It puts them, it locates them in the context of the much bigger, truer story of the whole world. So when you celebrate, you celebrate with the light of the world. When you mourn and when you grieve, you mourn and grieve with hope. And even when it feels like the light is being extinguished, you can remember the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. Do you have a story that is strong enough to hold you through the confusion of this world? I commend to you the light of the world. How else do you receive this? This is also hard for us. You let it interrupt you. We heard the story on Christmas Eve of the shepherds who were in the field. They were going about their nightly work. They were doing the work of shepherding the sheep. And they were interrupted with the proclamation, Born unto you is the Prince of Peace. And they let it interrupt them. And they said, let us go with haste to see this thing that has happened. Is it possible that God is trying to get your attention right now, but you're just too busy to be interrupted so often I speak with many of you who say, you know, God's not breaking through for me. God's not trying to get my attention. And I say, well, help me understand. What would it look like if God was? And so often the response is, I've really never thought about that. I get it. Look, I understand because I do the same thing. But what the scripture is saying to us today is, why don't you pause and think about that? What if God is already trying to get your attention? And this is why our church has worship services every Sunday, so we can come back around these stories together. Why we have community groups that meet throughout the, throughout the week so that we can contemplate these stories together. Why we have prayer time on Zoom at noon that's going to be starting up in the new year so we can pray about these things together. Why we activate it, know your neighbors, so we can bring our neighbors together and embody these things together. So maybe this is a great time to think through 2022 with your New Year's resolutions or your New Year's plan and just think, what sort of a path do you want to be on as it pertains to the light of the world that pursues you right now? How can you open yourself up to receive it? Receive this light that has come into the world to bring life, to reveal God's love, to chase away the darkness, and to call you a child of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray now that you would help us to receive this light right now. And all that we do and think and say, and all that we contemplate and treasure and ponder, break through as you did on that first Christmas, as the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. And so we invite you now, in your name, to break through to us, and then send us out to be your light and life wherever we go. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.